Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Care Inspectorate's podcast on Meaningful Connection. My name is Barbara Lawson and I'm joined today by my colleague Sherry Kerr. Hello. And also one of our Chief Inspectors, Marie Patterson. Hello. So Marie, um, thanks for joining us today on the podcast and we just wondered just really to start things off and um, what's your role as the Chief Inspector? How does that really support Meaningful Connection? So as a Chief Inspector for Adults Regulation, I um, lead the inspection teams for the Care Inspectorate and Adult Care and I also lead the National Complaints Team. I've been involved um, in adult uh, policy for a long time, but I'm involved in representing Care Inspectorate in that. And for me, as a basic value, is about the importance of connection for people, people being uh, connected to their family and their communities. And I've been involved in person-centred care for a number of years and during COVID, and looking at um, how we get people back into care homes, how people get connections back to their loved ones and working with Scottish Government on Open With Care. And what are some of the ways that inspection activity really supports that? I know there's lots of different things that go on. There's inspections and there's individual visits, you know, through kind of complaints work. So what are some of the ways that you see that inspections actually support that? Well, all inspections should have people who are experiencing care outcomes at the heart of it. It's about what are people's lives like? What is it like to, to live in this care home? How are they supported? And we have policies and procedures in place that guide inspectors. And we have what we call core assurances. And core assurances are what is done at every inspection. So every inspection, these are the key things that we look at. And on the core assurances is about connection for people. How are people uh, being supported to stay connected to their families, to their communities? And what policies and procedures, but more importantly, what are the outcomes for people experiencing care? At every inspection, we take time to observe practice, to uh, sit with people and talk to them, talk to families. And that's a key area is about how are you involved in your relatives care, you know, speaking to people who experience care about how are your relatives involved as much as you would like? Do your friends get to come and having the conversations and that all forums part of the outcome of the inspection. As well as that, we are guided by the health and social care standards. And they have in it two standards relating to, you know, visiting uh, for care homes and, and that connection for people. So inspectors are always looking at that. As well as that, we have a um, quality indicator that looks at that key question of how connected, how do we support people to stay connected to those important to them and the community. And we looked at that last year at inspection. That's not down, it's been done at every inspection, but we're at that core assurance check. We identified there was a, an issue or that the home needed more support. We would bring forward that quality indicator and we would look at that more fully in the inspection. All our inspection uh, guides and all our inspection work has a uh, link to it as well. Uh, documents for to support uh, improvement. So it gives access to services 
good practice guides where to go to get more information to support them to improve the outcomes for people. Yeah, that's great. The toolkits are really, really handy. Yes, they are. And I think if you if you look at our frameworks, our frameworks aren't for us just to inspect against. They're designed for services to use to do their own self-assessment, to do their own self-evaluation. And to the best service is a service that knows themselves. When I was a manager of care homes, I like to look at areas of practice and say, what, what are we doing really well here? What could we improve on? And it was important as a manager, I knew that and had a plan in place. And our frameworks support people to do that, as well as the toolkits, as you've said, Barbara, direct them to other resources that will help them to build up their knowledge and help their improvement plan. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, when myself and Sherry were going through the um, quality frameworks, when we were looking at developing a self-evaluation tool, which will is going to be launched um, very soon, um, we actually found that meaningful connection was all throughout, you know, almost every quality indicator. So although there's one specifically for connection, we were thinking about, you know, respect, we're thinking about getting the most out of life, even 1.5 with the infection control, how services are supporting people to remain connected. So it was really good to see that, you know, that meaningful connection is right through that whole framework. Yeah, I mean, if we're, you know, we've been talking a long time in Scotland about person-centred care. And if you have true person-centred care, then it's what's important to individuals and as well as the people needing support, you know, as they get older or as they've got a disability, um, you know, the, you know that will be health related. They also need that support about their emotional well-being and about, for me, really high in that is about that dignity and respect. What do I want to know? And for me, as a mother and a grandmother, I'd want to be connected to my family. It's what brings me joy. And that's what we need to ensure is throughout everything that we do, that we look at how do we involve people and how do we keep that connection going. And if I can maybe just say, I mean, one of the saddest things that was ever said to me at inspection once, and it seems such a simple, a small thing, but I think it's it's really strong, is that I was in inspecting one time and there was a woman who'd not long moved into a care home. She was younger, she was in her 60s. She had early onset dementia. And I was speaking with her uh, daughter and her daughter was really upset. And I said to her, are you OK today? And she said, not really. And I said, no, is there anything I can do? And she said, no. She said, for the first time in my life, I didn't get a birthday card from my mother. Now, I I thought, how sad is that? And that, you know, her mother would have been, you know, she'd have been really upset if she'd known that she hadn't sent her daughter a birthday card. So it's these wee things like, know who's important to people know how to support them with that because that you know it would have been really lovely if she'd been supported to go and buy a birthday card of mother and to send it to her daughter because that is something she would always have done and it's those wee things a lot of the time that I think you know get missed and that's why I think it's really important to everything that we do it's always about the person and what they would have wanted and how do we support them. Yeah, definitely and I'm just thinking a bit about um, Sherry you were involved in the complaints work during the pandemic and you know about what happens when things don't go well for people I'm just wondering if you can maybe talk us through you know some of the ways that people can raise a concern or what they can do if things are not working yeah absolutely and you were talking about the pandemic there and obviously that kind of really shone a light on 
things like visiting and connection and you know we were obviously receiving complaints sometimes very very difficult harrowing situations about visiting you know or the lack of it about essential visits and you know whether they were being facilitated um and i think one of the things that was kind of coming out from that was just really sort of highlighting how much inconsistency there was about you know how guidance was maybe being interpreted and, and implemented so you know some really really difficult stories like about end of life care for instance where maybe people hadn't been able to visit or maybe they had been able to visit but you know they've been time limited and the person had maybe passed away later that same day you know really really difficult circumstances um and harrowing situations because you know of course those are the things that you could never get back you know you've got one chance to get that right and if that you know if, if that goes wrong then there's nothing you can kind of do to to fix that so um so yeah a lot of kind of complaints were coming in around that and of course hopefully that's you know that's that's not happening now or that certainly shouldn't be happening now but you're asking about kind of what people can do um and I think what we would generally advise people to do is raise concerns with the service, uh, the provider in the first instance, you know, give them a chance to investigate and to put things right. Um, if there is a concern, if people can't do that for any reason or if they've tried and that hasn't been successful, then they can come to us at the Care Inspectorate and, you know, we'll assess that complaint through our procedures and try and determine the best way of dealing with that. Yeah, thank you. And Marie, you mentioned earlier about the Open with Care guidance and the, the care inspector that were involved in supporting the government with that. Um, can you tell us a wee bit about why that guidance document made a difference to visiting, um, particularly I'm thinking about, you know, during the pandemic? I mean, I, I think initially, you know, places were closed down because people thought they were protecting people and it was the best thing to do. I don't think MD expected it to go on as long as it did. And when, um, you know, we started to see, you know, restrictions being lifted for the, the community, what we found was them not being lifted for in-care homes. And I was very concerned about that from a rights point of view, from a, compa a compassionate point of view as well, that people had went a long time without seeing loved ones without having the connection and and what that uh, does to people. What we also had was inconsistency. So prior to the pandemic, we had always, we hadn't looked at visiting as a standalone piece of work, but it was always explicit in everything that we did and all our guidance that people can visit when they want. It used to say that in the previous standards for care homes. I can visit, I can receive visitors at a time that suits me at any time. Um, and when I think about myself, I used to go in and visit my mother on my way home from work because my mother wouldn't eat. So I would go in on my way home from work and I would support her with, you know, eating her evening meal. Um, she was more receptive to that from me. So what we found was that there was lots of restrictions still put in place and services were really struggling with that suddenly to, to open back up. So what Scottish government did because of that inconsistencies was bring people around the table, um, IPC, uh, you know, experts, the directors of public health, um, the care inspectorate here, and they'd heard very strongly from, you know, the care home relatives group who were saying, we, we need, you know, we have a right to visit, and they do, they have a right to a family life under the Human Rights Act, and they had a right to be connected to loved ones. So it brought a structure, it helped people who were maybe fearful 
of because there was still PPE they had to wear, there was still some restrictions in place. How can they do this safely? So what Open with Care did was gave them a structure to do that and gave a consistency that should be applied. We also put out joint statements with CCPS and Scottish Care. Um, encouraging people to open for visiting. We made phone calls to all services saying, are you open? How can we support you? Um, so I, I think it did make a difference. And it, it, it evolved the open care because as restrictions lessened, then it became, but people should be able to see people when they want, um, at a time that suits them. They should be able to, nighttime visits if that's what they want or that's what settles you know people or makes them feel happy um and getting back people um got really used to some people uh really like people to book in for visiting booking i mean that was a, a big issue people liked that and i think for care homes to be fair they'd so much changing guidance coming towards them they'd so many things to manage that allowed them to manage that and a way that they felt for them was, you know, was better and more manageable. And what we've been able to with open care and working with people has really moved that to people being able to have that connection and being able to be cared for by the people important to you. You know, as I said, I, I helped my mother um, with her meals at night. I used to do my mother showering, you know, but she would not allow anybody else to shower her. Um, and, uh, and, you know, so there's the kind of things that are really important to people. And a lot of people who have got loved ones in care homes, they were doing that care and role. And when they put, when someone goes into a care home, they don't want to give that up. It got to a stage where they, you know, they couldn't, for the, you know, do it all the time. But they still want to be there as that caregiver. And it's really important that that's supported. Yeah, and I think that's what we found by that additional um, standard, obviously, the two standards that were brought in in March 2022 to support visiting even during in the time of a crisis. But also there's that one, if people want to be providing care and services, should really be supporting people if that's what people want? And I know, Sherry, that's been um, some of the conversations that we've had when we've been going round care homes. Um, and what do you think some of the steps, you know, family carers or people, if they want to be involved in that type of thing, what are some of the things that they could do to maybe approach a service or a manager to discuss these things? Yeah, I think we've absolutely found that that is something that some people really value. You, not everybody wants to be involved in their relatives' care and not everybody wants their relatives to be involved in their care. But for some people, that was something that was incredibly important to them. And, you know, being able to be involved in supporting somebody to eat their meal, you know, which was such a such a kind of meaningful thing for them. And just kind of providing that continuity, maybe for somebody that's recently moved into the care home and that they've got, you know, they're able to still have that connection to their former life. Um, so absolutely, um, would encourage people to approach um, care home staff if that's something that they do want to be involved in and that their relative wants them to be involved in. Make sure that that is kind of written into the support plan that everybody knows, you know, that there's everybody's roles and responsibilities there are clear as to what you know what people what people are doing um that the staff are all aware of that and yeah absolutely just make sure that they have that clarity and of course as i've already mentioned that's now um we've got that new health and social care standard as well that does kind of explicitly set out that expectation that people will be able to be involved in in people's care you know if that's what everybody wants so 
people can also go back to that and refer to that if you know if that's something that they would find helpful to do. Yeah, and also we've got our website, which has got lots of information on it, and there's a dedicated space for meaningful connection, visiting and the ANS law, um, but also our guidance document, which will be um, have a section about supporting family carers to be partners in care. So there's lots of really good information to help people. Um, so Marie, just in, you know, to kind of close this episode, have you got any kind of final thoughts or things that you want to share? Um, which would be great. I mean, for, for me, it's about um, people. It's about what were important to people and how do you know? It's not just the person that you're caring for for now, but what? who are they? What do they like? What makes them, you know, I'll use the word tick. It's not a great, but, you know, what was it? you give me a ball of wool, I'm going to be really happy, you know. Um, but if you didn't know that about me, you know, say wee things that I would leave it with that as well, as well as the bigger things that are obviously really important, but actually those bits about knowing people and knowing what's important to them and knowing the importance of connection. Because finally for me, I mean, my if my health needs are all taken care of, but if I have no stimulation, if I don't have joy, joy is so important to all of us. You know, if you don't have that in your life, then you're not fulfilled. And we know, and the, you know, the World Health Organization has done some documentation on that about that importance of that well-being for people as important as their health needs. Yeah, definitely. So thank you both Marie and Sherry for your contributions today. Um, that's been really helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Barbara.